is the newly re-elected police and crime commissioner planning to tackle the perennial problem of hair coursing? Two and three hundred pound fines. Not a deterrent. It's, you know, you get four times as much than that for illegal fishing. Here part two of my chat with the PCC for Lincolnshire, Mark Jones, and Open Farm Sunday is just four weeks away. This is, a, you know, the best way to actually show people what farmers are are doing and talk to them. Andy Guy, Leaf Open Farm Sunday ambassador for the East Midlands, joins us with a plea to get involved. And there's an update on the proposals for a lump sum retirement payment. How much is on offer? Up to a maximum of £100,000. George Dunn, CEO of the Tenant Farmers Association, joins us with Sean Sparling and Kit Dickinson. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Good morning, the sun is shining, we've had rain and it's a long weekend, well for some anyway. All's right with the world. I'm Steve Orchard. From the Agricultural News this week, if you're looking to plant woodland, there's support on offer in the form of a government grant under the England Woodland Creation Offer. Applications will open shortly, aiming to support the creation of over 10,000 hectares of new woodland. The grant will cover the capital costs of establishing the woodland alongside annual maintenance payments for 10 years. It's being administered by the Forestry Commission. An untrained nine-week-old sheepdog puppy has sold for a world record price of £7,600 at Skipton Auction. Breeder Glyn Jones from near Bangor, North Wales, described Lassie as lively and confident and said he was delighted with the record. I bet he was. Uh, We're being encouraged to take part in the global celebration of World Milk Day, which takes place on Tuesday, by sharing hashtag World Milk Day social media posts and hosting events to highlight the contribution of the sector to sustainability, economic development, livelihoods and nutrition. And if you've been advised in the past that wind turbines are not a viable diversification option, you might want to reconsider. It's expected that a policy change being considered could mean that onshore wind will soon be able to again compete for government contracts as the energy source is seen as playing an important role in the UK's efforts to achieve net zero by 2050. Now, we've spoken before about the proposed government payment of a lump sum to farmers taking retirement as part of a scheme to encourage new entrants into farming. Let's get an update now from George Dunn, Chief Exec of the Tenant Farmers Association. Morning, George. Good morning, Steve. How are you doing? Very well. And you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Good, good, good. Now, George, last time we spoke, we were lacking enough detail for you to really advise your members thinking of uh, taking the money and running, as it were. Do we now have enough detail to comment? Well, we at least have a consultation document, which has been a long time coming, and we've been waiting for quite some time for it to be issued. So we now are in ownership of, of some information. We now need to look through that consultation document very carefully and uh, and respond with issues that we think the government needs to address. Do we know who is going to be eligible yet? Yes, yeah, so any applicant who has been within the basic payment scheme since before 2015 will be eligible to take part in the lump sum uh, exit scheme, whether you're an owner-occupier or a tenant farmer. And I've, I've seen figures of between fifty and £100,000 uh, being banded about. Is that accurate? Well, I think the figures are, are, are being quoted as averages and maximums. So uh, the, the actual um, figures are that you will be assessed on the basis of a three-year reference of the amount of BPS that you have received, and you will receive 2.35 times that reference amount as your lump sum exit payment 
up to a maximum of £100,000. Okay, and I'm also seeing references to delinked payments. Can you explain what they are? Yes, so this is something which is going to happen from 2024, according to the consultation document, and this means that we will no longer have to go through the tortuous exercise of attaching land to entitlements every May when we make our applications for the basic payment scheme. So it will remove all that tedious uh, land land stuff that's been such a problem for the, the RPA's operation of the basic payment scheme. Okay, now the reasoning behind all this is to encourage new entrants into farming. Do you think it's likely to do that? Well, one of the interesting bits of the consultation is that owner-occupiers are able to retain the ownership of their units so long as they let those farms out to new entrants and progressive farmers. The consultation suggests that the minimum length of term that they should offer leases for is five years. We think that the government needs to be rather more ambitious and go for a 10-year minimum, and we think that could be a very helpful and useful injection of of new opportunity into the sector because there's many small owner-occupiers out there who are coming to uh, an age where they want to, to give up, but they don't want to get rid of their land. Maybe they don't have a successor in place. This scheme offers them the opportunity to take a lump sum payment, to retain the ownership of their property, to continue living in their farmhouse, and to let the land out. So let's do that on a 10-year basis, and we might get some sensible opportunities uh, uh, as a result. And DEFRA are seeking responses, aren't they, over the next 12 weeks? The consultation uh, opened this week. It closes on the 12th of August, and we expect the scheme to be in place uh, in 2022. All right, George. Well, thanks for joining us once again. We will uh, continue to keep a weather eye on this. Thanks a lot, George. Pleasure, Steve. Thanks very much. If you have a comment to make on that, the consultation document with links is online. Just search direct payments to farmers lump sum exit scheme. In just four weeks, assuming no changes to COVID restrictions, it will be Open Farm Sunday. Andy Guy is the Leaf Open Farm Sunday ambassador for the East Midlands. Morning, Andy. How are numbers for Leaf Open Farm Sunday looking so far? Um, they're looking slower than most years, but I guess you, you'd expect that, Steve. It's, uh, it's an unusual year. So across the country, uh, we've got about 75, I think, probably a bit more than that now, signed up. We're not doing quite so well in the East Midlands. Just three, I'm afraid, across the East oh, Midlands right. at the moment. So it's really important that we get farms to sign up if we can. Is that a worry over COVID or have we kind of got out the habit a little bit? Any thoughts or any comments coming back from anybody as to why? The farmers I'm talking to, are, uh, yes, it is. It's a nervousness about COVID and actually probably more to do with um, managing a safe event and abiding by the regulations. But actually, you know, LEAF have got some good things in, in place now to help. So we're encouraging farmers to run smaller events, you know, maybe 10 or 20 people but you can easily socially distance. And we've got a fantastic ticketing service now, which allows you to control the numbers of people that are attending. So there's no risk at all of being inundated with people you don't expect. And of course, they're known beforehand then, aren't they? Exactly. You even know the names and addresses. So it's really easy to manage the, the event. And, and some of the farmers that are, that are, um, are taking part and have signed up are, are running two or three farm walks during the day. You know, you can fill your day, have two or three farm walks perhaps and and uh, there's and there's lots of ideas about how you can make it 
safe and socially distanced. And it's such a good opportunity to engage with the public and maybe dispel some of those myths about farming uh, that get banded around in some of the media. You're right. This is a, you know, the best way to actually show people what farmers are, are doing and talk to them. Now, for a farmer who's a bit unsure as to what to do, maybe a bit concerned as to whether to sign up for this or not, how can they contact you, Andy? My contact details are all on the Farm Sunday website, farmsunday.org. Just give me a ring or drop me an email, and I'll be very, very happy to, to talk to anybody who wants to. There's absolutely no commitment and no charge, so there's, there's almost no reason to in, not to inquire, really. Well, let's keep fingers crossed that uh, things pick up a little bit and uh, we can get loads more farms across uh, Lincolnshire and Newark open for Open Farm Sunday, which, of course, is only four weeks away now on the 27th of June. Andy, thanks for joining us. Brilliant. Thanks very much. If you are taking part, do get in touch. I'd love to have a chat and possibly even pay you a visit on the day. Email farming at linksfm.co.uk or tweet at farming show. Sean Sparling's here now with the week's agronomy advice. It would be great to see a successful Open Farm Sunday as the next step on the road back to normality, eh, Sean? Morning, Steve. Yeah, we're slowly getting back to something resembling normal, aren't we? But, I mean, to be quite honest, my new normal isn't that different to the old one. I get up at four o'clock, I walk 15 to 16 miles a day, I drive 180 miles and I get home at about eight o'clock at night, I have my tea and I go to bed and repeat. And I think that, you know... uh, a frustrated and pot-bound general public, and I mean pot-bound in the nicest possible way from the perspective of them not being allowed out, of course, they're going to be looking forward to spending time outdoors, and we're better than on a farm in a socially distanced and clean-handed, sanitised way, and there's that new normal again. But it does seem very odd to think that today the public will perceive most potential dangers and the most potentially dangerous thing on any farm is going to be other people. And so it's very important that we just point out that as the countryside does open up, not just uh, Open Farm Sunday, but seriously, people must never lose sight of the fact that cows and calves in fields can be very unpredictable. So just keep to the path and keep your dogs on leads, not just around cows, but also around sheep and other livestock for their safety as well as for the safety of your dog. Even the most placid, lovely old dog can suddenly decide he wants to chase sheep and lambs um, around the field and being chased is enough to kill them if it happens suddenly. So be mindful of picking up your dog poo too if you're walking dogs out there. Leaving it in a field full of cows might seem okay and an innocuous thing to do but it can have devastating effects if it's eaten by a cow so it doesn't matter where if you walk your dog always pick up take it home always keep the dogs on a lead around livestock or in fields around fields where livestock is and if it doesn't come when it's called don't let it off its lead it's very simple really so to everyone going to open farm sunday though and to everyone hosting an event i hope you have a cracking time and that the weather goes with you nice weather i mean of course so on to agronomy then and after yet another wet and windy week we started to see a light at the end of the tunnel on thursday moving away from that cold and wet into warmer and more drying conditions so because so little's been done over the last few weeks i thought i'd just be quite general with the agronomy bit this week so if we start with winter wheat flag leaves are 
pushing out now. It's been cool and wet through May, so that's caused a couple of things to happen. Firstly, the growth's been slow in these crops, slightly faster in the weeds though, by the looks of things. Wild oats poking up, and ryegrass and May weeds and all sorts of things pricking up. So T2 mixes are going to be suitably stacked with fungicides and herbicides alike. But as the conditions improve and those T2s start to go on, just check the labels of anything you've got included, herbicides in particular and growth regulators in particular, and make sure you're still safe to include them. Secondly, as these temperatures go from 13 to 14 degrees in the day, up to 20s, 21s and 22s even, the time for the leaves to emerge is going to shorten and fields where the flag was yet to post out midweek with a few 20 plus days it could look very very different by the end of the bank holiday philocron takes 70 day degrees or so growing day degrees to poke a leaf out and already on friday we're seeing crops suddenly changing so choose your weapon wisely not just for fungicides but for varieties herbicides um constituent parts of those mixes potential output of the crop bear in mind that septorian rust do not give a damn whether it's a good crop or a bad crop or a thin crop or a thick crop protection of your investment and your interpretation of risk along with your acceptable margin over input cost range is what's going to drive you so following anything i've done with a good robust triazole sdhi at t1 disease levels are currently very very low frequency and in the canopy actually with many many fields four weeks after that first fungicide going on clean down as far as leaf five now that can all change very very quickly so as i say be very clear about your objectives and choose that weapon wisely to take you through the next few weeks as cleanly and as stress-free as possible both for the crop and for you and for your agronomy winter barley full-on on out there some t2s are still going on so as i said earlier just watch the cutoffs for growth regulators and herbicides in particular you really don't want to damage the awns or the crop itself spring cereals romping away now so some very robust tank mixes going on at t1 don't miss the opportunity to put a pgr as well on those lush frothy little crop strengthening that lower stem in spring barley and spring wheat and spring oats is very very important because frothy crops surge through the growth stages very very quickly winter beans now set in their first pods so as these conditions are changing so could disease turn into something far more prolific out there chocolate spot rust fungicides going on now nothing in the way of brooked beetle or aphid out there in the field as yet but now that we're hitting these consecutive 20 degree days that will soon change but as with any crop we should never put an insecticide on routinely just because it's you're going through or just because it's the time of year apply only the best profile the safest profile for beneficials if you do have to go and if you're hitting those thresholds under the ipm protocol but letting those beneficials and predators have a go first is always the best way to deal with it sugar beet weed control absolutely amazing that a year makes a year ago go no amount of herbicide or frequency of applications gave us control of some fields which were full of bindweed allseed rape fat end willowweed knotgrass a year ago though it was hot and oppressively dry so residuals didn't work and the weeds were so dry and waxy that the contacts just rolled off them and we were really struggling a year later this year cold and wet and the results are almost miraculous reinstating my confidence in the abilities of these herbicides so clean beet fields after one 
one herbicide mix. Absolutely fantastic to see. So it's blighty weather. You know, it's blight weather which rules now. Warm and humid. So be prepared to start those blight programs as soon as those spuds get going. Downy mildew, same pathotype, of course, as potato blight. That may well start to surface in peas and beans. So be ready for that. Septoria, mildew, rust all need their wings clipped by a very robust and more importantly well-timed T2 fungicide in the winter cereals. So it's lovely weather, it's warm, it's dry, we've had enough of waiting about, let's crack on and let's see what the next seven days bring. Thank you Sean. Last week I spoke to the newly re-elected Police and Crime Commissioner for Lincolnshire about his plans for tackling rural crime. Now although Mark Jones is Lincolnshire's PCC, the concerns raised apply to just about every rural area in the country. Let's pick up where we left off by talking about the perennial problem of hair coursing. Mark, do you think this could be tackled more effectively than it is now? It can always be tackled more effectively. And the one thing that we have been relentless in doing is going down to Parliament and saying we need better, stronger legislation. Um, You know, for a start, we need better sentencing guidelines. I mean, we see, after all the effort of catching a hair courser, putting them to court people giving up their time to be witnesses, two and three hundred pound fines, not a deterrent. Mm. It's, you know, you get four times as much than that for illegal fishing. It's nonsense. So we need proper sentences. We also need forfeiture of the dogs so they can be rehomed. You can't hair course without your dog. So we want that. We also need to make sure that we can charge courses for the kenneling of their dogs. Lincolnshire was the first uh, force to start seizing hair courses' dogs. Well, in the first year, that cost us nearly £50,000, and we can't bill it back to the courses. So uh, what we have seen, though, is a new commitment from government to actually change some of these things. So there is a new charter in place through DEFRA that says we are going to beef up the tools in the armoury for policing around hair coursing, which is great. Use of criminal behaviour orders, again, that basically allows us to say, if you come back and course again, that is, in effect, contempt of court. So that can carry a prison sentence. So those using the right tools to do it. Certainly, we would urge landowners to take what precautions they can, digging ditches, etc., so that they can't easily get onto the land. But I'm certainly not trying to blame the landowners. It is, it is a criminal act. And these people often come along. They, uh, we've seen incidents nationally now where it's being live streamed to Asia for gambling. This is international criminality. So we've got to work together as all the forces across the country to really tackle this. But certainly with the investment in equipment, new rural crime team, changes in legislation, I think we're well placed to really make a difference on this. And it's long overdue to get the right bits of legislation in place to really crack down on it. Mark, it's really good to hear you say that there are plans to deal with the areas that tend to blight an area like ours. Do you have any sort of overall messages of reassurance for the rural community in Lincolnshire? Well, the first thing I'd say, we've got some great partners, the National Farmers Union, the CLA, they really do fight the corner of our rural community and we engage with them very regularly there's a very positive connectivity there and you know if people have got concerns i personally i'm a rural lad born in lincolnshire i care about our rural community so i do understand the strength of feeling and people can get in touch they will get responses if they contact us and we will do our best to to 
change our systems, processes, everything we can to really support our rural community. But I'm under no illusion there's a lot more to do, but I'm definitely up for that fight. Good man. Well, how can somebody get in touch with you if they want to? Well, I'm I'm all over social media. I'm certainly not hard to get a hold of on a personal level if people are on Twitter, Facebook, anything like that. Um, And certainly through the Office of Police and Crime Commissioner website, they can contact me there uh, via email, etc. So, you know, it's the uh, Office of Police and Crime Commissioner and Mark Jones specifically, very easy to get hold of. So, you know, if anybody has any uh, questions or queries, they can do that. And equally, put them through the National Farmers Union. I often get invited to their meetings to come and talk to members, and I'm very keen to talk directly to people. Well, Mark, more power to your elbow. Good luck for your new term, and thanks for joining us on the Farming Programme this morning. Thank you very much, Steve. If you missed the first part of our conversation, click the Listen Again button on the schedule page at linksfm.co.uk or you can hear the podcast on the app. Time for our weekly review now of the markets with Openfield's Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve. Prices collapsed under a weight of speculative and fund-led selling, with markets now a fully £20 below recent highs. Analysts have sought to find some reasons for the decline, but in reality, some of the explanations are tenuous. Expanded trading limits have increased market volatility and attracted speculative traders or funds into the marketplace, which, with large volumes of cash to burn or invest, is capable of causing wild swings in the markets almost on a daily basis. To balance the argument, it is only fair to say that the market got ahead of itself on the way up too. Although it was predicted on the ideas that old crop global May stocks were extremely tight due to the Chinese buying and the ongoing drought in Brazil, that not only perfect crops next year would resolve this, and the USDA duly obliged in their May report. The recent price drop has seen the return of major importers of both maize and wheat, the latter seeing Algeria, Egypt, Saudi, Tunisia, amongst others, back in the market. EU wheat is the cheapest origin in the absence of Russia, whose new export tax system remains a mystery to the trade. Old crop stocks are running low, and it looks like it will be met by some pent-up early demand for new crop, particularly with no cheap maize available. Moving forward onto barley this week, another quiet week overall with some additional old crop interest from the trade shorts, generating some trade with varietal value differentials now emerging on some small volumes that have been traded. New crop markets are struggling from a lack of immediate buying interest, which has meant that values have eased over the last couple of weeks following a round of buying, boosted by better than expected take up of the offer to get back to the pubs and indeed the restaurants. A little activity has meant that the premium structure remains steady. Crop progress looks promising here in the UK and also on the near continent, leading to EU to raise the forecasts slightly for the coming crop. Allseed rate, a volatile week with markets moving lower in line with the allseeds complex. Nearby, Matif futures have dropped back by €25 to the time of writing, with UK consumers happy to follow the market lower. Whilst crude oil has gained over the week and a negative sentiment from the other sectors has weighed on the market, the veg oil complex moved lower, with improved palm oil production and the recent strong run of soy oil production. Rumoured strikes in Argentinian ports, which could have been supportive, were quickly resolved following the swift government action, keeping the flow of soybeans steady out of their ports. Improved weather outlook in the US helping production prospects push soybean values to the lowest point in the month, along with the strong South American harvest progress also weighed. Closer to home, the old crop markets remain ad hoc but in a relatively narrow range, whilst new crop has eased back in line with the futures markets. So moving forward to prices this week, 
Feed wheat for June 200 to 203. Moving forward to new crop August off the combine 168 to 171. November 174 to 176. February 176 to 179. And May 179 to 182. Milling wheat premiums for new crop are circa 18 to 20 pounds. Barley. Feed barley for June 180 to 185, moving lower into new crop August 150 to 153. November 154 to 156, February 156 to 158. Unlimited carry going forward, prices remaining the same for May at 156 to 158. Malting barley premiums are circa £15 for new crop. For all seed rate values, please do get in contact with your open field farm business manager for accurate estimates. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. A warm, dry, sunny bank holiday weekend. Don't say that very often. A very pleasant week with no rain likely before Friday. Clear blue skies today with light easterly winds and highs of 18 Celsius. Similar tomorrow with a slightly stronger wind and highs of 19. The wind picks up a little through midweek, staying easterly. Similar temperatures starting to cloud over a little on Wednesday. And for the end of the week, the wind stays easterly in the mid-teens MPH. Dry on Thursday. Thursday, but cooler with some rain forecast on Friday. Well, that's it for this week. Next Sunday, details of new pig-keeping rules that could decimate the industry and a look at a precision farming system that can spot wheat-damaging disease. I'm Steve Orchard. Enjoy the Spring Bank holiday weekend if you can. Back same time next week or whenever you want on the app and online.